0: Welcome to today's show, everyone. Today we're going to um, actually take off on uh, the themes that we've been focusing on of late. Back at episode 150, I did an episode on perception and the plant medicine ayahuasca. And this was kind of a reintroduction to the six powers, which is the uh, dominant six skill sets or powers, superpowers, talents, skills that you must develop to become a next level human. And so perception was uh, the first and is the first of these six powers. Then we covered ownership last week and I'm going to go ahead and finish out these six powers over the next several episodes or so. And so, for those of you who have not been introduced, I will review each time I go through one of the powers. I'm going to review the six powers. Today, we're covering wisdom, the superpower of wisdom. And to start, let's just go through the six powers really quickly again as a good review for everybody uh, who has heard this before um and as an introduction into the concept of wisdom because you'll see it's a little bit different than what you might be thinking of as it pertains to the next level human journey and by the next level human journey what I mean is in a very real sense the journey each of us walk through our unique history and experiences and happenings in our lives from who we are to who we are trying to create or who we are becoming in a sense And so that's what this is all about, that next level human journey. Um, I'll go through that today a little bit as well, but in the future, I'm going to do an episode specifically on the journey. But let's go through the six powers first. From my perspective and what we have been talking about in this podcast is the idea that each human, if we want to become our next level best selves, we must master six powers and they go by the acronym powers easily enough p-o-w-e-r-s the first power is perception the p in that powers acronym is perception the next one is ownership the third is wisdom and then the last three in are engagement resolve and sharing powers perception, ownership, wisdom, engagement, resolve, and sharing. And you can think of these six powers very much like a hierarchy, a stepwise ladder, a staircase that you are climbing. Before you can really understand and get to ownership as a human, you must access and control and be able to utilize perception. You must escape your old stories, your old narrative, your old patterns, your old emotional habits and the ways that you feel. I oftentimes say your repeated patterns, your stuck emotions, your recurrent obstacles are an indication that you are trapped in an old perception or an old story that is not serving you. And the first and most important aspect of the next level human journey is a mastery over perception. Seeing the stories and habits and emotions that you are stuck in and living from and changing them and beginning to see the world differently. Giving up your old identities, murdering your old self to create a new perception so that you can create your new self after you master perception which is the most difficult thing to master because we don't always realize as humans that we are domesticated in a sense our family the culture that we are brought up into the recurrent uh you know happenings in our lives the things we like the people who've hurt us and helped us are the, the talents that we have our unique personalities And most importantly, our pain really inform the way we see the world. And that way of seeing the world is oftentimes inaccurate and or unhelpful and keeps us stuck. And many people, we know what this is like. We humans are experts at spotting where other people are dysfunctional and where other people are stuck and where other people are immature But we are miserable about spotting those things in ourselves. And so perception is really about turning our gaze inwards rather than outwards. It's about looking at ourselves lovingly and judging ourselves compassionately so that we can see who we've been and decide and choose who we, who we will become. Now, once we get to that place where we see who we are, and oftentimes this manifests in deep wounds, I oftentimes talk about the idea of the midlife crisis, or a better word for it is the midlife awakening, often as the last chance for us to shed our old perceptual skins and see the world for what it really is and see ourselves for what we could become. But in order for us to become the thing that we want, in our lives we must give up our old selves and let's face it the vast majority of us refuse to do that not just because we refuse but also because it's incredibly difficult and also pretty terrifying because when you step away from your old self into your new self a gap opens up and we've talked about this in past episodes where once you start getting your perceptual awareness on point and you start moving into ownership. Part of what happens is when your perceptual awareness opens up, you start going, wow, I don't really like the way that my old identity is or was and I want to be different and I need to take responsibility for things. Part of the big shift right, is that some of these perceptual shifts are the idea that I'm not as special as I thought, that life is not fair that I don't deserve anything in life, that really it's up to me that I'm not going to get the apology, that you know, no one else is responsible for healing my wounds, um, and that these wounds are either going to be things that make us a victim or things that we take lessons from and get better. That movement from uh, perception to ownership it's all happens in that space where we go, I no longer want to be this thing, it's no longer useful, And although I'm afraid I'm going to leap into and declare who I want to become, in that declaration process, once you declare who you are going to become, then there's a whole process of essentially creating a new honor code, a new code of conduct, a new way of being that is entirely different from the old self. And we talked about in the last episode on ownership, how this ownership principle really establishes the code of conduct the abcs and one two threes of how you are going to be moving forward now here is where we get into wisdom once you see who you've been your old perceptual ways of seeing the world and master the superpower of perception and see the truth of who you've been and understand the truth of who you can be and then two ownership start to uh, take radical responsibility for all the things that's happened in your life, especially the painful things, um, forgiving, moving on, mostly yourself, taking responsibility fully for your wounds, no longer being a victim, starting to graduate from the victim mindset and victim culture into the gratitude mindset and gratitude culture, constructing a honor code and a code of go- conduct You're now in ownership and this is the place where this new way of thinking, this roadmap acts as an anchor and a lighthouse of who you will become. But here's the problem and this is where we get into wisdom and it's not really a problem so much as the next step. The next step is as soon as you declare who you want to be out of who you were, then a gap opens up in your knowledge about how to be that, doesn't it? So in a very simple example I oftentimes use, before I decided I wanted to be a doctor and a smart kid, I was living out of the story of a dumb jock. And once I decided I wanted to go to medical school, I didn't necessarily know a gap opened up in my knowledge about how to be smart, how to study how to synthesize information, how what to read, what to pay attention to, how I need to think differently about things. This is where wisdom comes in. And this is the hard part because most people, when they're thinking about change, they think about um, faking it until they make it rather than being it until they see it. And this is I many of you know I do not like this statement of fake it till you make it. and it really, uh, shows its limitations once we move from ownership into wisdom and let me give you an example of this I'll tell you a story about many people that I see and I'm sure many people you see so here's here's how the story goes let's say there's a person and they've been living their lives and they have been let's say working as a bank teller and they're not that happy and they're in a relationship that's maybe not that perfect for them, but they're making money and they're going through the motions, but they're not, they're not feeling completely fulfilled. And maybe they end up getting some illness. Um, you know, they get diagnosed with something or you know, start dealing with fatigue or start dealing with something troubling like that. So now all of a sudden, in their four jobs, they are making money, but they're not happy in, their, uh, in what they're doing to make money so their financial job is is suffering. Their romantic relationships or personal relationships aren't exactly what they would like and aren't as fulfilling, so that's suffering. They're not feeling very much in their purpose or their meaning. Their health starts to fail, and these four jobs start to become rather challenging for them. And by the way, this is how, in my mind, the perceptual awarenesses begin to occur you'll start seeing difficulty in one or more of your four jobs and that difficulty will show up as repeated patterns recurrent obstacles and stuck emotions that can permeate all four jobs and so they start feeling this and they start you know becoming frustrated and there's a lot of blame and complain that often goes on in this uh Part of the next level human journey of perception where there's a denial that it's about them. Uh, What ends up happening in the first stage of perception is we want to make it all about what's happening in life out there. People are shitty. People are dumb. People are toxic. People are the problem. Uh, Other things are always the problem. Life is happening to us and it's all out there. The number one perceptual shift is the idea that no, it all comes from me. The way I see the world is most often how the world will show up, whether it is that way truly or not. And many people, if you're living from victim and blame and complain and all the problems are out there, you never can make a change in your life because you never understand that ownership is all about taking it all on yourself. Deciding that you are the one responsible for your life, that you are the one uh, responsible for tending to and healing your own wounds, that you are the one responsible for Uh, giving the apologies and forgiving yourself and that no one else can do it for you this is the idea here and this person who's working as a bank teller going through this difficult relationship not feeling fully happy not feeling fulfilled and in joy and very purposeful or meaningful and now all of a sudden dealing with health issues reaches a point where they begin to reach and hit rock bottom And they really want things to change. We'll oftentimes see this now occur where they go, I'm going to leave my relationship. I'm quitting my job. Um... And and sometimes it's not even about that they do it, it's just life has a way of doing these things for you, right? The relationship ends, they quit their job all at once and they he, you know go on a healing journey and let's say they have some success healing themselves. So now they go, oh, I see the ownership part and I see what will make me more purposeful and meaningful. So maybe they decide they're going to become a health coach or a personal trainer or a nutritionist or something like that. Now this is where the gap between uh, you know sort of ownership and wisdom opens up because a lot of people are content on becoming experts simply by outsourcing that expertise to other people. So they don't have enough wisdom as of yet to realize that books and podcasts and documentaries and all of these kinds of things are other people's opinions. And other people's expertise, but just because you read one book or one podcast or two books or two podcasts or 10 books and 10 podcasts and nine documentaries does not make you an expert. And along this path, oftentimes what really ends up happening is people start reading the same thing over and over again. So if they healed themselves off, let's say a paleo diet, their wisdom path takes them down everything around paleo and this is gets people into a trap and this is why you end up with so many people who feel a little bit frustrated and don't understand why others don't see them as experts and don't understand why they haven't been able to master wisdom and be respected for that wisdom because the way most people accumulate wisdom is to read a book and that book becomes their bible and then they read another book and that book becomes their Bible. I can't tell you how many friends I have that are some of the even smartest people I know who use books this way. You can always tell what book they have just read because it becomes their new Bible. right? Um, one of my friends right now who I work with very closely you know, is all into the habit change space. And every time he reads a new book on habits, this becomes his new reality. You know, it's gotta be this way. This is how habits work. Then he reads another book on habits and he realizes, oh no, and he tweaks a thing or two. And now this is the way it works. The problem with that is that every book becomes the new Bible and you're not necessarily thinking for yourself. Now slowly but surely as you read different books from different angles and especially if you have a lot of clinical experience that with lots and lots of different people you see how fast the ideas in books actually break down. And you also understand that if you are teaching only from one book and that's how you get your expertise you are always sort of behind the time. And so this person who had this uh, relationship and worked as a bank teller and went through these health issues and wanted more purpose and meaning and fulfillment hit rock bottom everything broke up started wanting to learn took ownership and then went into the wisdom phase and got stuck in their journey because they were going about wisdom the wrong way and this is the the sort of thing and uh, that I want to cover here wisdom One of the major roles of wisdom is to understand that wisdom is not just knowledge. It is not just knowing something. You can't just pick up a book and read a book. You can't just listen to a bunch of podcasts. You can't just use your own experience. Wisdom also has a lot to do with experience in general. And the more experience you have, the better. So yes, your own personal experience with your health care matters if you're going to be a health coach. But if that's the only experience you have, you're not going to be able to help many people. You're only going to be able to help a small minority that is just like you. However, if you start working with lots and lots of different people, reading lots and lots of different books, especially books that disagree with each other and have different points of view, All of a sudden, your experience is going to begin to skyrocket. Then let's say you add on talking to mentors, um, people who have also a lot of experience. So not only are you working with your personal experience and the, the, the experience of all the people that you're working with and all the books and different types of books you're reading and then working with a mentor who has lots more experience than you, this begins to be the path. To wisdom. But in order to begin to walk this path, you have to first conquer bias and dogma, which we talk a lot, uh, talk an awful lot about in this podcast. The opposite of wisdom, the quintessential way to know that you are not in wisdom and not walking the path of wisdom is bias and dogma. And uh, bias and dogma, I oftentimes say, are the parents of ignorance and arrogance. And let me explain what I mean by that. When you are biased, what it means is you are, again, you haven't fully mastered perception. So you only see the world through a particular lens. Everything is about, uh, let's say, the keto diet. And many people who I've worked with, this is what it's like, right? When I first meet them and they're first on their journey, let's say, there's one particular diet that they're all about. And every program they build and everything they talk about and every piece of information they give is about the keto diet, because that's all they know, and so if you're biased in that direction, and you're not looking at any other ways of doing things, and you're not, you don't have a lot of clinical experience, then what happens is keto diets, that particular bias towards that way of eating, shade everything you do, and what happens is I oftentimes say that is the mother, let's say, bias is the mother of ignorance, because if you only have one filter on and you can only see through the lens of a keto diet, you're missing every other person and all the other information out there that shows that vegetarian diets and vegan diets and paleo diets and primal diets and the Mediterranean diet and all these various ways that humans have thrived off different diets throughout the historical, uh, the, the history of human being. Right. You miss all that. And then you start thinking that keto diets are the only way to do it. And so then you dismiss people who don't heal on a keto diet or don't lose weight on a keto diet. So you just go, well, they're just not being compliant or they're not doing it the right way or whatever it is. And you miss all the information that could make you a better coach, that could make you more understanding and help you really become a master Of nutrition. So bias is the mother of ignorance. Now dogma is the idea that my way is the only way and the best way. Now how many people do we know like this where it's basically like they have you know a a a pet you know sort of peeve or they have a pet project or they have a way of seeing the world and They are convinced that their way is the way, that everyone else is wrong. They are the only one that's right. The research that they get is the best research and the only research. And so dogma is the father of arrogance. And when you are arrogant, it's this idea that you know what you know and you stubbornly and arrogantly know what you know. In other words, you're not going to listen to anyone else. So bias is bad enough. But then when you put dogma on top of bias, now it's a refusal to change at all. And this is why I say bias and dogma are the parents of ignorance and arrogance. And really, this is why I say perception leads into ownership, leads into wisdom. Because bias and dogma kind of go through this whole thread. If you have too much bias and too much dogma, you will not ever be able to see the truth of perception, which will cause you never to own Uh, who you're going to be, which will cause you to always be behind the times in wisdom. And so when you think about wisdom, you want to think about wisdom as this idea of, yes, it's information that you have learned and applied. And that's the part that is most important, the applied part. Not just in yourself, but in lots and lots of other people. It's when you take knowledge and apply it, to many, many different people that you will see the aspects of that knowledge that are beneficial or problematic, right? So that's the idea here. It's like knowledge and what is true quickly is uh, you know, basically uh, vetted and shown the light of day and shown how useful it is or not by whether or not you can apply it across large swaths of people. And so knowledge and is not just enough. Information that is learned is knowledge. Knowledge that is applied is experience. And from that experience you develop wisdom over time. Let's talk about another aspect of wisdom and then we'll talk about how to gain this wisdom. A lot of times people talk about logic, they pit logic against intuition, right? Or logic against feeling. Many people will say, follow your gut. Other people will say, you know, follow your logic. And really when it comes to wisdom, wisdom is this idea of a little bit of both. You are a little bit intuitive. You're feeling your way, guessing but not really because one of the things we need to understand about intuition is that intuition is not magic. It's not a spiritual, you know, thing that just drops out of the sky. Intuition is sort of a sixth sense, but only it's a sixth sense in the idea that intuition is the, is the following. It's the integration of all your senses plus your past history, right? It's the integration of all your senses plus your past history plus your ability to be logical, About it. And then what happens is this subconscious mix of your past history and all the experiences you've had with your knowledge about, you know, ability to think logically and your accumulation of all your senses and feeling. When these things come together, your past history, this ability to think clearly and feeling in alignment you get this feeling of intuition you kind of know it in your gut but what you may not be aware of is that it comes from your past history a lot of uh, it, when you when researchers study intuition and they do study intuition they actually show that the most intuitive people in a field are the people that have the most experience in that field in other words you can't really be intuitive in a a field of uh, expertise without having lots of experience and past exposures in that field of expertise. We've oftentimes talked about this in the idea of intuitive eating. You can't be intuitive with your food and know what satisfies you and does not satisfy you if you don't completely even know what a protein versus a carbohydrate or a fat is or what eight ounces of chicken breast is and about how many grams of protein that is, etc. Right? Most of the people who are most intuitive about nutrition have had a period of time in their past where they did a lot of weighing and measuring of food. And so now they have a lot of experience around weighing and measuring and eating foods and knowing what a protein carb is and fat is and what the amounts of those things are and what the mixes of those things are that satisfy them. So this idea that you can just be intuitive with your food without ever uh, you know, developing an understanding around basics of nutrition is rarely the case. In other words, very few people can be intuitive with their eating without some degree of experience and past exposure to understanding food on some level. And it's the same way with anything you are trying to master in the realm of wisdom. So wisdom is not just knowledge plus applied knowledge or experience, but it's also the integration of logic and intuition. You are not very wise if you get a feeling about something and just head off in that direction. Let me interrupt the show just for a few minutes because I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Evolve telemed one of the questions i get all of the time one of the services that you are asking me for constantly is hormone replacement therapy women going through menopause women going through perimenopause women in postmenopause, women under stressful situations who are dealing with low sex hormone levels estrogen and progesterone are constantly asking me about progesterone therapy or estrogen and progesterone therapy and men same thing, constantly asking me about testosterone replacement therapy. Plenty of you, many of you, always asking, Jade, can you prescribe me hormones? I need testosterone if you're a man or I need estrogen and progesterone or testosterone if you're a woman. And I always have to say that I am no longer seeing patients in this way because my educational duties are keeping me so busy. And this is where Evolve Telemed comes in. I have been looking for a company that does bio-identical hormone replacement therapy and that is critically important. If you're going to be doing HRT or TRT, HRT being hormone replacement therapy for women, TRT being testosterone replacement therapy for men, if you are going to do these therapies, you want the bioidentical hormones. You want the hormones that your body makes naturally, that your body can recognize, that is no different from the hormones your body would make if you were making adequate levels. Bioidentical hormone replacement therapy does just this. And Evolve Telemed is a company that I am now using for my own testosterone replacement needs and have been super impressed with the way that they have structured their business model and so i am now bringing this service to you through my partnership with evolve telemed essentially the way this works is you go online you make an appointment with evolve evolve gets a doctor with you on a zoom call they go through your whole case they go through your blood labs they then prescribe your hormones directly to you and you can get those hormones wherever you are. You do not have to go to a clinic near you. All you need is to have an internet access point and you can meet with an expert in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and get those prescriptions. Now you can see why this is so powerful, can't you? Because this is something that so many of us need and can benefit from for our aging needs, our sexual health needs, these things have profound impact on mood, hair, skin, erections, libido, you name it. These things do everything for our metabolic health and vitality. So I'm incredibly excited to bring Evolve Telemed to you. Now the link that you go to is drjade.com hormones. drjade.com .com slash hormones. This will bring you to the Evolve Telemed portal. If you use the code NEXTLEVEL, you will get a discount on checkout for your first patient visit. I'm very excited to be able to bring this to you and I hope you will use Evolve Telemed. I know you're going to find it extremely powerful to move your hormone needs over to them. Check them out, Evolve Telemed, use the link drj.com slash hormones, drj.com slash hormones for Evolve Telemed, and let's get back to the show. Without walking through a logical integration of that and saying, okay, well, if I do that, if I do XYZ, what are the potential outcomes If I do this, what's the potential outcome of that logically and what's the potential outcome of this logically? Likewise, you don't want to just be logical about things and just go, well, I don't really care what it feels like. This is the logical thing to do because if you do that, then you never get to the feeling of fulfillment and joy. And so when we're talking about wisdom in this hero's journey, we're oftentimes thinking what is logically making sense and what also feels in alignment with that logic. As soon as you are all logic and no feeling, you're losing it a little bit. And as soon as you're all feeling and no logic, you're, you, you're losing it a little bit. Wisdom is the ability to integrate, right? It's integrative thinking, is, which is the way that I like to think about intuition. Intuition in my mind is integrative thinking or integrative knowing. Well, what are you integrating to to know? You're integrating your logic and your feeling sides. You're integrating your past experiences with all of your other senses. And this is what this is. So to me, intuition is the integration of logic and feeling. And this is what you want to begin um, to master. So now we've discussed this idea of wisdom being knowledge plus experience, knowledge sort of in action, knowledge applied to develop all this experience. And we've also covered this idea of integration being the, uh, intuition being the integration of logic and feeling. Now we can talk about some of the mistakes people make around information. If you're trying to be a thing, Now, remember, now we're going back to ownership. If you're trying to be a thing, being, remember, is the idea of thinking, feeling, and acting in alignment. When you think, feel, and act in alignment, you are being. So now that once you start trying to be the thing, being it until we see it rather than faking it until we make it, that individual, that bank teller, you know, who we were talking about, they're faking it if they're just reading someone's books, if they're hijacked by bias and dogma and they're just basically dialing it in and outsourcing all their information to, you know, they, they basically become, you know, a copycat of the paleo diet or the keto diet. That's faking it in a sense because they're not really developing any real wisdom, their own understanding, their own way of applying this. And here's why that this is important, because in order for you to create a purpose that is unique to you, you must develop an expertise that is unique to you. And part of that expertise, that expert development is the idea of our unique five P's, the people that have helped and hurt us, our talents, our superpowers. So people, powers, passions, the things we're interested in personality and pain those five things right make up our unique spiritual fingerprint now when we take those five things and apply ownership to and say we are going to do this thing now with our unique spiritual fingerprint now we need to walk also a unique path to wisdom and this is where a lot of people get this wrong because they get the idea that they are unique there's never been anyone like them on the planet before Nor will there ever be. And they kind of get this idea that, okay, I am unique because I have a unique, unique people, unique pains, unique passions, unique personality, unique superpowers. They understand that too. And they understand, okay, I can create a unique mission for myself. But then what they don't understand is they get lost and they want to shortcut it and go, well, I just want to be Jade's expertise. I'll copy him because it kind of looks like, you know, he's doing what I want to do. But what you miss is that while I might be doing what you want to do in my life and you look at me from the outside looking in and say, I want to be an author and I want to teach metabolism and self-development and all this stuff as well and I'll just copycat his stuff. What you're missing is that when you do that, you are circumventing the way it actually works. You're denying the world your unique contribution. Because the fact is, if you actually go and learn and take on fully and own fully what, you're, what you have decided you're going to do on this planet, and it's the same as me, let's say, what you don't realize is that your expertise, when you develop it uniquely your own, that it will be slightly different than mine, that you will have a slightly different way of explaining things, a slightly different voice, that there'll be certain aspects that you know that I don't know, and certain things I know that you don't know, and when you truly develop your expertise, and we both step forward, me and you, teaching this stuff, we are enhancing the world. You're enhancing it in a way that I could never, and I'm enhancing it in a way that you could never, because we're both being in alignment With our unique spiritual fingerprint, our unique creative ownership, and our true development of wisdom. So in my mind, wisdom can never be copycatted. And this is why I do think a lot of people become frustrated by simply learning by just reading one or two books or following one or two gurus. And this brings me to how to really develop wisdom. And I'm gonna use the example of the idea of fake news and what everyone's complaining about. Nowadays, everybody complains about the idea that there's information everywhere and everyone thinks they're an expertise. And either you're complaining that the experts don't know what they're talking about or you're an expert complaining that other people who aren't experts think they're experts. And the fact of the matter is, This is exactly what's going on. And most people indeed are simply thinking that they can go on Google or YouTube or podcasts or Amazon, read books, listen to documentaries, and develop a true expertise in an area. And I would say you can and you can't. So, what's the difference? What trap do people fall into? A true expertise comes from understanding all sides, right? It comes from understanding this is what this guy says on Habit Change. This is what this girl says on Habit Change. This is what these studies say. This is what this book says and this book says the exact opposite. Here's what this YouTube... uh you know person said here's what this other person said here's what this person who's an actual expertise and a researcher says here's this other person who doesn't have the research expertise but has a lot of clinical experience says here's what this person who just has their own personal experience says and here's who all these people that I've worked with slowly but surely hundreds thousands over the years have taught me about this now can you see that that's very different than reading a bunch of books on you know habit change that basically say the same thing and that's all you do is just read the same person who talks about the same stuff on habit change and you're basically relying on their opinion to teach you about habits or the same person relying on the exact same nutritional principle the keto diet and that's all you get so i can tell you when i first discovered this for myself i was a vegetarian actually and i was the quintessential um, person who I would describe as biased and dogmatic. I thought vegetarianism was the only way to go and so much so that I started having some struggles with my health around being a vegetarian probably because of all the soy and I was eating plus all the stress. So I can't completely blame the vegetarian diet but it didn't do great for my body. But I was still biased and dogmatic. So even though I didn't feel great on it or feel great, I was still insistent this was the way to go. And I would get in arguments. This is early on the first year, first several months of medical school. Uh, and I would get in arguments with people at that time, arguments rather than debates, trying to prove my way was the right way. And I did something that was a blessing, even though I did it for the wrong reasons. I started to research research. Some of the other points of views, like I started going and researching about, you know, um, healthy populations that eat meat. These would be some of the terms that I would begin searching, hoping to find data that showed that there were no healthy populations that ate meat. Lo and behold, though, what did I discover? Now, if I had just kept searching things like i was searching vegetarianism cures cancer vegetarianism healthiest diet these are the way most people do their searches so what do they get well of course they get articles and podcasts and youtube channels that espouse and believe that vegetarians are the best diet but as soon as you search the opposite and try to prove yourself wrong instead of trying to prove others wrong and this is one of the first steps of wisdom You should not be trying to prove other people's ideas wrong. You should be always trying to prove your ideas wrong. And in that process, you start to understand all sides of the argument. So if you really want to be an expert in nutrition, you can't be an expert in just vegetarianism. You have to be an expert in the paleo diet, the keto diet, the vegetarian diet, the Mediterranean diet. You got to be an expert in all of it. And for me, that's how I began my journey. And then that opened up a whole new thing for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's plenty of people who eat meat and are healthy. Then it brought me down, well, what kinds of meats are healthy? And slowly but surely, I got in the habit, a habit that I stumbled into, but a habit that I was lucky to have, of a habit that forced me to look at things from all sides. So when I read a book on nutrition, I am looking and trying to Question: What are my existing biases? What are the author's existing biases, and what are the elements that they are missing or not, uh, you know, thinking about? I'll give you another example. of This: me and um, um, some of my coworkers in my in my other company um, are working on a habit change program, and one of the things about uh, this is that, uh, you know, many people will just read the latest habit books, which. I do as well. And I think that's important because uh, these books, books are really interesting, especially books written by true experts because they can give you a particular um, uh, perspective on habits and also get you up to date on some of the science that you might not be aware of. However, they also leave out a bunch. And most people who are researchers and writing books don't have a whole lot of clinical experience. Very rarely does that happen where you have someone who has a whole lot of clinical experience and so one of the things that I'm oftentimes saying around habits is it's one thing to talk about the habit research it's another thing uh, uh, you know how this stuff translates into working with clients now I have been uh, working with clients as as someone who counsels as a health coach nutrition and personal development and weight loss for a very long time so I know clinically um, have an awful lot of clinical experience and can see firsthand where a lot of the habit stuff falls apart. For example, um, you know, this idea of simple habits and do one thing at a time. Well, the research shows it can be highly effective. I can tell you from my clinical experience that many people get very bored of this um, and don't want to do it. And so a third, two thirds of people, uh, you know, don't actually succeed in that, despite what a research study might say. And so when it comes down to looking at research, one of the things you learn in wisdom very quickly is research is a tool for averages, not for individuals. And so the research helps you get in the ballpark. The experience helps you refine it. And then you continue to look at all angles. And so when you are mastering wisdom, it's all about the walk between who you are and what you currently know and who you want to be And what you need to know. And so when you begin to research, if you really want to begin to uh, master wisdom, you have to begin to look at this from all sides. And by the way, this works in personal development as well, right? So it doesn't just work in career change. But let's say this same bank teller who is on this mission to become a new health coach is also, you know, had a bad relationship and their relationship split up. Now, they if they're going to be wise in that regard, they also have to look at relationships from a different point of view as well. So they can't just follow a few relationship experts. They have to look at how they've been in relationships and own that. They have to look at all the different people they that they've been in contact with that we're in relationship with them. They should start paying attention and having conversations with people in different relationships. Maybe they want to talk to people who have have had polyamorous relationships or non-monogamous relationships and monogamous relationships. And all of a sudden, by understanding all these different types of relationships, it can open up a whole lot about how to be in relationships and some of the patterns, right? And so think about it. If you've only studied monogamous relationships between Christians who are a certain type of Christian how much do you really know about being effective in a relationship it's a very narrow-minded band of relationship romantic relationship experience right so why not look beyond Christian just Christian relationships and go into you know Christian relationship with a non-Christian or and People who are come from different political views, who have romantic relationships, and pif- people with different romantic uh, uh, philosophies. Now, all of a sudden, you're becoming a real relationship expert, aren't you? And so, this is how you develop wisdom. It's basically staying open minded to everything, and almost nobody does this. Almost everyone is so trapped in their biased and dogmatic views that they cannot ever develop wisdom whatsoever. Now, one of the things that happens when you begin to go from perception into ownership into wisdom is wisdom requires experience, not just knowledge. And so if you're really serious about this, what you begin to do is, yes, read books, but you read books from all different points of view, not just one point of view. What you begin to do is, yes, listen to podcasts, but you listen to various different people On podcasts. You don't just focus on what Joe Rogan says about XYZ, but you listen to multiple people or at least two people who have diametrically opposing views who make good sense. For example, I listen to a lot of self development stuff and a lot of philosophy and political philosophy. And two of my favorites are Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson. Not that I necessarily agree with either one of them, but to me, they overlap in some places and are diametrically opposed in their opinions in others. And to me, hearing two very thoughtful, intelligent people banter back and forth about philosophy and politics gives me both perspectives, gives me this varying view. And then when I go and look at other commentators and apply that it gives me even more of a view and so the first thing you want to do is stop 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 having one narrow band one a central place that you're looking, looking multiple places. So on your YouTube channels, stop paying attention to one particular person and find two or three that disagree with them. With your book, stop reading that one genre on one topic that agrees with you and keep reading that that same genre or related genres that don't agree with you or the concepts you haven't been exposed to. Also, begin to go to trainings. Hire mentors, hire coaches, have different experiences. And so in these six powers, part of what wisdom opens up is the journey into engagement and resolve. What happens is when you start attacking wisdom, you realize you don't know certain things and then you engage in learning those things and having experience with those things and inevitably there will be some difficulty there. Sometimes when you're developing wisdom and trying to master an expertise, you fail and you fall. Let's use internet business as an example. You go into internet business, you think it's going to be this and that. Someone tells you about the idea that you can start an email list, send some emails and make some money. However, you start an email list, you, you know, don't have a great product, you send out the email to sell it, you only get one sale, you're disappointed. That's a failure. Now in that, a lot of people quit. And this is where they, they, wisdom gets stifled. The people who succeed go, okay, what can I learn from this and what, how can I apply the new experience? So what happens is wisdom, engagement, resolve back to wisdom. There's this wisdom loop that happens, this learning loop, this insight loop that happens when wisdom goes into engagement to learn the thing that you didn't know, goes into failures and learning and obstacles and this is the way it works we we learn the most when we fail so when I was having those arguments about vegetarianism and debates and people caught me in areas I did not know rather than stubbornly saying well I'm right and I'm just right and I'm gonna stubbornly cling to that I went wow they had a night a good point and I didn't have an answer for that I need to go figure that out I need to go learn that and this is how wisdom really works once you see what you don't know, you engage in accumulating knowledge and experiences, engagement, so that you can learn. And often in that process, you fall flat on your face and you got to get up again. Then you try a different way and you fall flat on your face and you got to get up again. And then you fall flat on your face again. This is resolve and you got to get up again. And then you get a major insight A major new understanding. And this time it helps you pass that obstacle. And then the whole thing repeats again. And you get this spiral up in expertise. Rather than what a lot of people do. Which is just read from the same genre. The same thing. So they just stay put on stationary on the staircase. Or they become dogmatic and biased. So dogmatic and biased in their area. That they start to get a downward loop. I oftentimes say this and think this to myself when I see people who have Instagram handles that are like, you know, at Keto Chef or at, you know, um paleo trainer or any of these things. What that shows me when I see those kind of things is they're identifying, they're they're creating an they're creating an identity out of an, out of an opinion. And they they are not realizing that if they're really chasing wisdom and learning, eventually they're not going to be able to sustain that very narrow viewpoint. Um, And they're oftentimes going to have to change their business or change their handle because of that. Wisdom always moves you forward, but only if... You approach it the right way. You have to get rid of bias and dogma. You have to integrate logic and feeling and really you know, understand what intuition is. You have to look at things from all angles. And then you have to go on this wisdom, engagement, resolve, insight loop. And you have to do that again and again and again over years almost until you develop your unique expertise that coincides with what you owned, your ownership and oftentimes along the way yes you will tweak your ownership and your purpose and then the final part of the six powers of course is sharing your unique expertise as you develop it and so really it does go oftentimes wisdom engagement resolve sharing you can share what you've learned a lot of people have done that as they're learning they teach as they learn but eventually you become a true expert in this place all because of wisdom and it doesn't necessarily have to be an expert in a career or an expert in relationship or an expert in health and fitness it doesn't have to be that you're teaching other people this and making money off of it it's just that you're learning the lessons and sharing them as a human and this is what purpose is purpose comes out of the six powers I oftentimes say pain is a path to purpose because pain triggers you into a perception that you've got wrong, which oftentimes causes you to want to be different, which is ownership, which then causes you to know that there's things you have to learn that you don't currently understand, which is wisdom and once you begin that wisdom sort of path you get pulled into engagement and resolve meaning that you get pulled into needing to experience the world in different ways and trying things on and building experiences and failing and you know figuring it out and getting back up and then over time you become a true expertise you also you become someone who has something unique to offer the world and then when you share that freely without the need for acknowledgment and or reciprocation Now you have closed the gap and you have followed through with the next level human journey of purpose. But wisdom here is critical. And I'll leave you with a quote by Osho, which is one of my favorites, which I think describes the trap that many of us have with wisdom. The less a person knows, the more stubbornly they know it. This speaks to the Dunning-Kruger effect. There's this very weird thing that happens with humans and with wisdom when they first start learning something. They don't know a whole lot about it, so it seems fairly simple. And in a very strange way, you have to know an, uh, an awful lot about a subject to know that you don't know much about that subject. Isn't that true? Like when you first get introduced to a subject, you don't know all the moving parts and it can seem more simple. So the less a person knows, the more stubbornly they know it. So one of the hallmarks that you can use to spot people who are novices and to spot yourself is people who speak in definitive, arrogant, decisive language. It's like this, it's always like this. You don't know what you're talking about. I've done the research. I know, you know, I'm right. That is a novice. That is someone who has not had that much experience. Someone who has a lot of experiences and an expertise, they know things very humbly. The more you know, the more humbly you know it. The less you know, the more stubbornly you know it. So true experts have a very nuanced way of saying things. Have you ever listened to a PhD talk about his research or her research? They say, it may work this way. Perhaps. More studies need to be done. It's possible, but it's just a hypothesis right now. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. That's the true language of an expert. Uh, And as people mature, you'll see this in the way they approach life. When we're very young, and dogmatic and arrogant we think we speak very dogmatically and judgmentally about other people but as we fall down and we see our own dysfunctions and we begin to see how difficult life is and we start to understand how tough it can be we start giving people more the law of charity we don't gossip as much we don't uh, act like we know everything people who speak in very definitive language these are usually base level types and culture level types nuance looking at the gray zones understanding things are not always as they seem have speaking with the law of charity not being so definitive and decisive in what we think we know is a hallmark of wisdom we see this over and over and over again so these are the things that you want to be thinking about with wisdom from now on you want to be thinking about i need not just to read the latest book I need to read several of the latest books on that topic, and I need to make sure that they disagree in some way, that I'm getting this, the story from all sides, and then I need to integrate that knowledge, all sides, with experience to vet it out and see, does it work in this, with this group of people, that group of people? Does it work in my life here? Does it work in my life there? Then I have to understand this idea of I can't just be all logical, and I can't just be all feeling. I need to really integrate logic thinking with feeling. I need to use intuition and I need to use uh, logic. And then I need to really get rid of bias and dogma. And I need to understand that it's going to take time and I need to engage with life, right? And I need to understand that I have to walk between who I am and what I currently know, and who I want to be and what I need to know. And in that process resolves uh, involves engagement and resolve. Which then feeds back on wisdom. And this is the way we get better. We must stop thinking we know everything so stubbornly. Because that is a block to wisdom. It's a block to knowing. If you are biased, you will remain ignorant. If you are too dogmatic, you will stay arrogant. You must open up to what wisdom is really about and it's about looking at things from all sides having a, a clinical experience and engaging in different ways so that you can learn something new to apply and move forward rather than stay stuck so this is a wisdom this is the idea of wisdom in the next level human journey uh, i hope you enjoyed today's podcast and i will see you at the next episode thanks everybody